This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for listening in today. I am Beverly Isla, your host. Our guest today will be sharing his insights on how training can reduce the number of surrendered dogs in the shelter, as well as how training can help rescue dogs acclimate to a new home after the shelter. We have professional dog trainer and CEO of Dog Training Elite, Mark Mestis, is here with us today to share his insights and experience. So when we get back from these messages, we will hear from Mark. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Mark Mestis, CEO of Dog Training Elite, about the transformative power of effective dog training. Now, thank you, Mark, for chatting with us today about your experience and insights. Um, I guess I'm going to like ask this first because okay. it would just make answer a lot of questions. So in your opinion, would you say dogs that were surrendered to shelters because of behavioral issues could have been rectified? I would say a lot of them can be absolutely rectified. The amount that are surrendered just because of that, of bad behaviors and, and no training is pretty astounding. A lot of people have this For picture sure. of a dog that maybe they grew up as a kid or they watched a movie and, and saw this dog develop in, in this movie. And when they get the dog, reality hits. And it is not at all what they they imagined. And a lot of times it's hey, you know what, I can't handle this. It doesn't fit in my lifestyle or it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. And so we see or we've heard about a lot of surrendering because of the the lack of obedience. Absolutely. Now, this is like excluding, obviously, the situations that are inevitable, like a death of an owner. But when right. it comes to, you know, the behavioral issues. Yeah, I agree. There is a period where there's the, uh, how do you say, the glorified image of Lassie. Oh my gosh, do you remember Lassie? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so when it comes to trying to deal with that, like what is your, for the adopters? Like should, I guess a lot of it is because of the children. Yes, so I would say when you're going to look for a dog for yourself at the shelter or a rescue or something like that, you really need to look and be honest with yourself about how active you are and what you want to be doing with the dog. And a lot of these people that end up surrendering a dog and from what I've witnessed and seen and stories that I've heard is they really get a dog that is way too much energy for their lifestyle. 
you know, they get a dog. One of the big ones of the movies that came out had a, has a few Belgian Malinois in it, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We had this big <laughs> influx of Belgian Malinois. That, oh, man. Right. The dogs are, are meant for protection, but like not just any protection. You're talking serious yeah. protection, police, yeah. military, and that type of thing. And these people will go, that's the kind of dog I want. Well, <laughs> the training that goes into those dogs to get them to do what's on film is absolutely, it's one dog is a full, full-time job. Yep. And so people don't understand. We also, every time a new movie comes out with a dog, you see an influx of that type of dog and people just don't think about what actually goes into that type of dog. We had when Marley and Me came out, we had an influx of yellow labs. Oh. Well, certain labs are kind of, you know, They'll lay around the house all day and play when you want. But a lot of them, they're, they're meant to be hunting and retrieving. And so they don't understand that even though that one particularly was talking about a dog that, you know, was unruly and stuff. But it's always more fun on to see on, on film than to actually have the family heirloom chewed up. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God, <laughs> I can't. That's gone. So really being honest with yourself and your family of where you need your energy level to be. If you're hiking every day and that dog's going to go, absolutely have a higher energy dog. However, if you are a lower energy person, then you need to get a dog that is low key, is pretty mellow, is is just going to be laying around the house and is perfectly happy with cuddling with you all weekend. So that is the big thing where you first start, in my opinion, is making sure you get uh, energy, the, the right energy level dog. Absolutely. And that uh, pretty much answers what my next question was, is how common is it for people to get a dog that doesn't match their lifestyle? And you just mentioned, well, yeah, it, almost. it trends depending right. on the consequences. It absolutely does. And it changes from time to time. And we do see an influx depending on the movies. But that, I think, is the key. And one thing that we do is there's also a problem with the weather on getting some of that energy out if you do have too high of an energy a dog mm, or even point. right if you're up north it gets super super cold well you don't want to go out in sub-zero temperatures with your dog and in places south it gets oh my gosh hot where the dogs even have to wear boots just to get to the car you know so how do you get a dog to actually get the right exercise when you have this extreme weather and one thing that we do is we teach our clients that have this problem uh, with higher energy dogs to run on a treadmill. It's not as good as a walk, but it can take that edge off for the months that are just absolutely miserable outside. And that right. has, that has really reduced for a lot of our clients the need to kind of go, I don't know if I can take this dog. It's way more energy than I intended. And the dogs really end up loving it when, when you do it properly. And you put them on there. I always there. wondered about that. Yep. Yep. They, they really do. Um, I've had some clients that are a little bit more on the, they have quite a bit of money and they'll leave when they go to work, they'll leave the treadmill in on all day and have a camera on it. And that dog oh, wow. will hop on and off, on and off, on and off all day, <laughs> getting its energy out, you know, and then That's other awesome. dogs will just, yeah, they're, and a lot of dogs will just kind of hop on there and, and we teach them to do it without being tied to it. And right. that way they can just, that way it's a safety issue, right? If you want to go watch TV and you put your dog on the treadmill, you don't want to connect them there and keep them on there. And, and now they, 
are getting tired. So this makes it so yeah. they can hop on and off at will and, and that type of thing. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a great <Yeah>. suggestion. <laughs> and now it's great. Yep. Yeah. One thing I wanted to point out there when, when I noticed, um, what do you call res- rescue organizations bringing in dogs from abroad yeah. and, like you mentioned with the weather, a lot of these dogs from a hot climate are going to winter <laughs> climates. Yep. Oh, what have you seen any trends of those type of dogs going back into the shelter? Cause the owner doesn't know how to acclimate them. That weather so, is a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I haven't really seen where weather too much has, has been more of an issue for a dog coming over from uh, a service member was over in Afghanistan or, or Iraq and, and brought over a stray dog. Um, I, I have met people that have that. Usually the problem with those dogs is not with the weather, but there's a lot as far as that goes with, with weather goes. There is a lot of different things that different uh, makers are, are coming out with. So there's a swamp cooler vest for really hot hot times where you can put it in oh, yeah. some yeah. cold water and, and that type of thing. And it, it works as a swamp cooler, really making sure all the different types of dog water bottles they have now that make it easy for the dog to actually drink is pretty big. And, and keeping the dog hydrated and that type of stuff has, has been a huge benefit. And then there's even now, I mean, obviously there's like dog sweaters and stuff like and that, <laughs> Tons, type of thing, yeah. you know, but so I, I do and have not so much now, but in the past I have done ultra marathons and I have a, a blue healer that would run with me. And I got him specifically because I knew he would keep up with horses and yeah. for, so we can go a long way. But if I was in any super, super cold area and I, I decided to go do that because I'm in, in Utah and I would go up into the mountains when uh, the snow was knee deep on trails and he'd come with me. There's even stuff for active dogs to keep them dry and warm. And then I would put boots on him to and get him used to that to be on the super cold so it's not freezing his pads. But there's a lot of stuff out there now that you can will really help dogs with the different types of weather. It's not foolproof, obviously, especially the heat. You know, you have to keep watering it, keep watering it, keep watering it. But it does help where you can be out there a little bit longer than just going to the car in severe weather. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's something people need to look into. Absolutely. Now, in terms of, um, you know, that saying that the dog's human when it comes to training, the dog's human also have to be trained to have a complete equation. What's your take on that? Because I do notice I, I have a lot of trainer friends and they explain like these dogs that are really misbehaved and they're close to being surrendered. And I'm like, no, yeah. keep training it. And they say, well, we can only do so much if the owner doesn't do it. Correct. And I would say it's, I don't know, I would say the most important part is on the owners actually to, to have a good mm-hmm. job and the consistency in doing that. And that is one reason why we have our training programs the way we have them, where the majority of our franchisees do the training at the people's home with the family, not just one person, but Everybody. whatever everybody because even say you live with uh, some roommates and you open that front door right if that roommate opens that front door they need to be able to call the dog back so maybe they're not doing all the training but they need to know at least hey don't jump up on my friends and my family don't do this don't do and when i open the front door i can call you back you're not running out the front door and that type of thing so 
what we really do and how we kind of look at it is we at the franchise level we train people which is the franchisee to train people to train their dog and we get it going and we go this is how you do it this is what to expect the dog to do and then we hand it over to them and say let me see you do it and then we critique them and help them and okay you're doing this you need to do this and it really help with their confidence and knowing exactly what to do and that one-on-one really takes them a whole lot faster and further because they are learning you know a private teacher so if you just have it where you send your dog out and they do all the training that dog will learn great for that person right or the trainer but once you try to do it that's it dogs are area and people specific okay right so even when we teach in the living room and we go to the hallway, the dog goes, oh, I don't have to listen here anymore. No, you do. And we work them through that. And then when you go from, you know, mom to dad, again, the dog goes, oh, I don't have to listen to you. No, you do. (laughs) And what people don't first understand is that difference. Well, the dog's working great for you. Well, yeah, it doesn't think it has to listen to you. Kind of like kids, you know, you're not my mom. You're not my dad. I'm not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And the dogs just have to learn. They have to listen to everyone that is they're supposed to listen to, of course. But really teaching the people, and I found it is the important part, and giving them tips, tricks, hints. I guess not hints because we don't want to play games with them or anything, but really giving them a roadmap on how to constantly train their dog but live. And that's what I see people that are failing in their dog training as far as just a regular house dog is they go, oh, I did my training. I went to the classes or they came here so many times and now it's done. Training is all is for the rest of the dog's life. It just becomes shorter and easier because you have that expectation and the dog gets a habit. But what I do is I go, okay, you need to think about all of these things that you want to do is going for a walk as training. You think about telling the dog to not bite this or chew this as training. And that is just living with the dog and giving the people that the mindset, the tools and the knowledge in order to make that go forward and, and to really set them up for success is somewhere where I actually see the most the most problems with some dog trainers. And you really become a teacher, a person teacher. And you it, to really be successful and make sure those clients are the most successful they can have to where they have that that dog that they had pictured in their mind when they were a kid, that you have to make it to where they learn what to expect and how long it's really going to take and that it's always going to be a process that they're not robots. And really, we don't want them to be robots. That, Absolutely. Personality. We want their, you yep. know, their goofiness and everything. But then we also need them when we say come to come because we don't want them getting hit by a car. We don't want them up to uh, saying hi to someone that's afraid of dogs or doesn't like dogs. So really learning how to teach the people and setting them up for expectations. Like I teach when I tell teach someone how to teach their dog to go to their bed, the bed or a place, you know, a, a cot or something like that. I tell them, okay, what I want you to do is I, when you're teaching this, I want you to put this in front of the TV and I want you to just watch TV like you do most nights, but the dog needs to stay on the place. And because it's in front of you, you can now watch TV and when that dog gets up, you see it get up and then you go and you train and you get it back on the place and then you go sit down and then you go a little bit and the dog goes, well, I think I'm done now. 
And you go, no, you're not. You, you need to stay on there. And you can work that longevity of that command while just watching TV or a movie with your family and setting people up for that idea and teaching the people the little shortcuts that you learn as a dog trainer really, really helps that success in the overall obedience and happiness of the family and the dog. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a lifestyle. <laughs> My dad's like the complete opposite of yeah. what a trainer would what like to like to see in, in a client. But we're just going to have a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue talking with Dog Trading Elite CEO, Mark Mestis. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Mark Mestis about how effective training can reduce the number of dogs being surrendered to shelters or helping dogs transition into their new homes. So what advice do you have for pet adopters to help their new adoptee transition into the home with as much ease as possible? So there really is a little bit of a trick and it's super simple. Uh, thankfully, Ooh, I like uh, <laughs> right of of introducing your dog and setting up expectations for the for the new dog that's coming into the home right away. And the trick is you invite them. Yes, okay, we'll go back here. I'm kind of going around, right? But <laughs> one of the things that you'll want to do is you do not allow the dog to just roam throughout the house and explore by itself. Ooh, that's one of the first things that I hear. <laughs> exactly. That's what everyone like, like, hey, here's your new house. Go Here check it out. And <laughs> yeah. So you're letting the dog take the lead and just do whatever it wants. And and if it smells something, it'll mark or it'll do, you know, it, it's, it's really taking control of that house. So what I have all of my clients do or all of our clients do is when they bring home the dog, the dog is only allowed in one room per day. So when you first bring men, say it's the living room, you are going to have them on a leash and you are going to walk around that whole one room that day. And that's where mm. they're going to stay. And you are taking the role of I am the boss and I'm going to take you around and let you know where you're allowed to go. And the dog learn goes, okay, and it sniffs and you let them sniff, you let them do their thing. But now you are leading it. And, and that's another thing is, is you walk and you take the dog around and sniff at your pace. You don't let the dog pull you with that leash around. So day one, you do that. The next day, maybe you take them down the hall and you introduce them to the hall. Maybe the next day you take them to a bedroom. Say, if you don't ever want them in the kitchen because for whatever reason, it's too small, you uh, don't like them in the kitchen, 
Well, you never take them in there. Never taking them in there. Now you have created a boundary and said, this is off limits. And you can do that also when if you walk in there and they go to walk in, you can push them back and say, ah, no. And they'll learn, oh, I'm not allowed in here. I've never been allowed in here. And setting that boundary from day one makes it to where it's a lot easier. And the dog just goes, oh, okay. One of the harder things to do is to allow them to go everywhere and then decide, ooh, I really don't like them in my, you know, wherever because of the hair. Mm -hmm. And now I've allowed them to do that. And the dog goes, wait a minute, I used to be able to. And now the dog, it's going to be a chore. And so anytime you move or you bring a dog home, set the boundaries. Don't let them just explore the whole house by themselves. And you show them where they're supposed to be. And it, it really makes it to where the whole thing becomes a whole lot easier. You're going to reduce the amount of accidents that they have in the house because you are taking that lead, showing them this is my house and you're allowed to be in it and giving them those boundaries that dogs very, very much need and crave. And right. it really, really makes it a whole lot better. That's amazing. I've never heard of that. Thank you for that. For that too. You're welcome. Now, if they start getting antsy that they're only allowed in that one room and the owner's like, oh, I'm feeling guilty. Stick to it, right? <laughs> Yeah, just you really have to say, I mean, it's it's day one, you're going to be playing with it a, the dog a lot, you're going to be so excited to have it go for a walk, get that energy out. So the dog's not coming in there and only in the one room. I mean, we're mm -hmm. not just going to just put them in there and put gates up and then leave them, you know, we're right. out, doing stuff. And you do want it in the room that you are most in, you know, if the front door comes into the kitchen, I'm not going to just keep them in the kitchen, I'm going to I'm going to probably want them in the, the living room where living the TV room, yeah. is and stuff like that. But so they kind of go through the kitchen, but it really sets up that ability to make sure the dog understands the, the boundaries of the, of the house. And it really does reduce the, the potty training. It reduces even some chewing and setting up the expectations from the very beginning. The dog just has never known any different. And the, yeah. the training goes so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Awesome. Now, before we wrap up, your business caters to several different types of training. I see from service dogs, therapy dogs, personal protection training. Um, do you have any highlights of successful rescue dogs graduating from these programs? We do. We don't really see too much normally in the protection dogs or anything like that. Sometimes we'll teach what we call a bark and hold to some of those where it's really just a bark and they could be barking for a ball or a treat, but the bad guy doesn't know that. You just put a scary word behind it or something like that, you know. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and so it's it's almost like teaching speak, really. Of course, the, the serious dogs are, are different. But so we, we don't really see that much in the protection dogs, but we have had quite a few therapy dogs go through across all the franchises for going into going and helping nurses. And so they'll go to the okay. hospitals and work with hospitals and because there's quite a bit of stress in there and that helps that. And then every once in a while, there will be a rescue that will work for a service dog. However, the service dog is so much more because it, it the dog really has to be put together yeah. and has to have a, a confidence in itself and in the, the owner, you know, and, or the handler. And to, to start a dog when it's older is usually, it's, it's a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. And 
to do that from a dog that was surrendered for some reason, usually you're not dealing with a dog that was really set up to, to do that. Right. However, Makes we sense. have yep. we have had it off the top of my head. I can't I can't think of an exact person or or anything, but we have had that happen. And when you do it right, it also depends on the type of service. With the more su- important ones, where say diabetic alert, usually with that you really really need to start them as a puppy, you know, because right. it is threatening. But if you get a, a bigger dog that's kind of a slug and uh, it, it is more for, say, mobility where they just need something to counterbalance, that can be done. And then with psychiatric, also if for PTSD or anxiety or something like that, that can also, but you have to get a dog that is not at all nervous, is more of just was surrendered because it, it is gung-ho, you know? And it's just like, oh, here we go. And they're like, okay, this is, and then putting (laughs) rules and boundaries and then teaching it the task of something like uh, deep pressure therapy, where the pressure on the chest can can help the person calm down or in their lap, Uh, behavioral interruption for sometimes something we see often when people get really nervous, they pick their cuticles and their nails and stuff and end up hurting themselves that they don't even realize till after. Right. And that's something that you can usually teach fairly easy for an older rescue dog. But again, you need that dog that is not at all really shy, isn't, they're not aggressive, they're not fearful, they're not anxiety or anything, and they're just a happy-go-lucky dog that was too much energy. So we have seen quite a bit of success with those. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. it's great that you guys have those specialized programs because not all training is created equal, so... That's great. No, it no, it's not. And we're seeing a lot more service dogs, people who for for the PTSD and for anxiety and stuff that really need them. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, it is absolutely the reward for me for a service dog for someone with PTSD or high anxiety is absolutely incredible. When I go to the store like Target with them for the very first time, and they're trembling. And I literally have to take the dog from them and just say, I just want you to walk and I'm going to make sure the dog does what it needs to do. And by usually the third or fourth appointment in public, after we've gone through all the basic stuff and started other things, they have their dog. They're a completely different person. They're confident. They're walking around with their dog. And I mean, I just help them get their life back. And That's awesome. to see th- yeah, to see that is just, and it does happen with rescues. However, if you are going to look at a rescue for that, have whoever is going to train the dog, if, if it's you, okay, but get, get someone who has done it before to make sure that it is a good dog for you. The mentality, the, men, uh, the mental state of the dog is the right one and really get a professional to help you pick that dog out, even if it is a, a rescue or a puppy or anything like that, because it is so much easier and better and you have a higher success rate if you have someone that knows what they're doing. Absolutely. Yes. Did you hear that, Dad? (laughs) 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 Awesome. Well, we are out of time. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks to our show producer, also Mark, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. You can learn more about Dog Training Elite at dogtrainingelite.com, which will also be on the show notes page. 
you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at Beverly at PetLifeRadio.com. Until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.